Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you all are doing well. It is a bright, sunshiny day here in New York City. It's actually kind of warm. Gave us a little bit of a tease of spring today, though I know it's going to dip right back down. We're in that period of time where people are getting excited, but it's like such a tease. It's almost like getting excited about a guy or a relationship, in my experience, and imagining your future together and then realizing, wait a second, this person is just not a sustainable human being in my life. Like he's going to be as fleeting as he arrived, you know, like disappear from my life as quickly as he came. That is how I feel about the weather right now. I feel like this spring weather is just not the real deal because I know typically March is like the most brutal in the city and then April things start to turn around. So Anyway, I'm remaining hopeful. I had my window open for majority of the day. I was like out, left my window open while I was gone, came back, and it just is so fresh in here. Oh, I just, you know, trying to stay hopeful, trying to stay optimistic here. But anyway, so I've been doing a lot recently. Last night, I went to a concert for the first time in a while. I guess that's kind of a lie. I went to a Luke Combs country concert like two months ago and then Harry Styles three months ago before that. But it's been like kind of a second since I've been to a concert. I went to Dua Lipa last night with six of my friends. Yeah, there were seven of us, which is kind of unheard of. I feel like it's very hard to get seats in Madison Square Garden for seven people all in one row, but we somehow managed to do it. Colby, my friend Colby, went in on the ticket sales back in like, I don't even remember, August of last year we got these tickets 
to the future nostalgia tour, Dua Lipa. She did not disappoint. She's an amazing performer. I now deeply regret cutting my hair because she had this like long, silky dark hair. And for some reason, it looks so much better on her than I feel like it looked on me. I feel like whenever I have like long hair, it just feels really flat and heavy. But for some reason, she just like totally rocked it. But Dua Lipa can do no wrong. She was an amazing performer. And as we were sitting there waiting for her to come out, the intro act or what do you call it? The opener was Caroline Polachek. Hope I'm saying her name right. She, I actually hadn't heard of her until this year. She, you know, just had that TikTok song go viral. You're so hot. You're hurting my feelings or whatever. And she was amazing as well. We came for like the tail end of her performance because it was kind of an early-ish concert. Like the concert started at 7.30 and like who's done work at that hour? It's very hard to get there at 7.30. So we waited to go until like 8.30, got there, saw the tail end of her act and then Dua Lipa blew us away. But while we were waiting for Dua Lipa to come out, this actual, this conversation that my friends and I had inspired this entire episode today, guys. This entire episode, which is kind of dedicated to body language, nonverbal communication, Zoom call anxiety, meeting anxiety, the stress you have when you are put on the spot and why all of that kind of was born, that you know, this idea was born from this conversation I had with my friends before Dua Lipa came on stage. We were waiting for her to come out and we were looking around at all the people in Madison Square Garden, all of these faces, all these lives happening before our very eyes that had somehow converged with our own lives for one moment in history. Like I'll never be in a room with these people ever again, all of these people at once. Like it's just kind of crazy when you really think about it. Anyway, 20,000 people, I Googled the capacity to be sure, 20,000 are all sitting here waiting for this one girl, woman, to come out on stage, Dua Lipa. Obviously, her background dancers, singers, all the people that help with the show. You know, there's so many people that we are obviously there to see, if you really think about it. But Dua Lipa is kind of like she's a solo act at the end of the day. She has dancers that she phases in and like she has like a show family and all that. But we were there because Dua Lipa was headlining the show. This one person. How – we were talking about it. How – Do you not stand backstage and have a total panic moment over the fact that you're about to walk out and your performance is being scrutinized by 20,000 people? 20,000 people paid money, paid hundreds upon thousands of dollars to see you. Like, how does that not hit you like a ton of bricks before you go out and perform? And we were talking about that. We were like, good for her that she's able to do that walk out on this stage and be in crazy heels. She was wearing like stiletto heels, dropping it low, doing the most insane dance moves. I know Dua Lipa has gotten criticism in the past for her dancing. And I must say, she said F you to all of the haters last night with everything that she did. I filmed so much of it because I just want to like reflect back on it and show my trainer and say, I need to do this in the gym because (laughs) she was incredible. Amazing. But how, okay, back to the, the actual meat of this conversation. How does she not walk out and feel this insane pressure? She must, or if she, maybe she's desensitized herself to it because this was her 12th show and she's definitely done performances in the past. I know she got crazy, crazy famous ever since the pandemic. Um, she was always like, you know, famous, but I first heard of her when she sang New Rules, that song. And I think I heard that song in college. So that's when I first kind of 
you know, heard of Dua Lipa. But anyway, she must feel this like fear. And we were talking about how some of us, we go into Zoom rooms with like eight people and we feel this crushing anxiety of people staring at us and something about Zoom calls being so much more nerve-wracking than a normal meeting. And I was thinking because now that I'm a freelancer and I work from home 90% of the time, I, you know, Zoom calls is just kind of my new reality. I occasionally meet with someone in person, but it just kind of makes sense since I have a lot of clients to do Zoom calls. And I miss the days of going into my corporate office and having meetings in person because something about it, it feels less stressful. I think, I mean, we're going to break it down further and talk about the why because I actually found some really awesome psychologically backed articles about this that I want to talk through with you guys because this is such a valid fear that many of us feel, the Zoom anxiety, even just meeting anxiety in general. And I think that you know we're accustomed to thinking that people, especially those that we're surrounded by that have been doing this for a long time, that do a lot of meetings, that do a lot of talking in front of people, we, we feel sometimes that it's only us and that no one else gets anxious And that's just not the case because I did an Instagram poll and the results were astounding of how many people feel this. Also, after a meeting, I feel exhausted. Like the life has been sucked out of me sometimes because it's just so much. It's very much like when you're in a, when you're an introverted extrovert, as people say, I think that might be what I am. I'm not really even sure. But when I'm in a social scenario, of any kind, like even going to a birthday party or something. I leave said birthday party after having a conversation with so many different people that my energy is just spent, like gone. And I feel that way with meetings sometimes, even if really nothing was said. Like, you know, some meetings are just kind of like, that could have been an email. That was my favorite thing to say was, that could have been an email. (laughs) I would say that to my coworkers. It was one of those like coworker jargon. Like there's so many different phrases that you say in the corporate space that I no longer really say per my last email being one of them. But anyway, so I want to talk about that. I want to talk about just meeting anxiety, why it happens, why it's so normal and how to combat it. Because I feel that that's something that was kind of left out of college and any high school, any sort of schooling, because it's all so new, right? The thought of having a virtual meeting. I was watching Mad Men the other day. You guys know it's been my latest kick. I've been watching Mad Men from the start, I'm now on the final season again. I like watched it sporadically, but I really love that there's something better than just watching a show all the way through and feeling like you have this this kinship to it. Like it's it's your, you know, you've watched it from the beginning. Everything's so fresh in your mind. You're not just bouncing around watching a random episode of Friends or something. So when I was watching that, it's obviously the time is passing through the six seasons. It's like a, over a span of like 10 years or something they shot or it was supposed to be. Obviously, they didn't shoot it over 10 years, but you know what I mean. And in the recent season, they are having trouble doing like a cross-country call. They're trying to wire in or call in people from California and they're having the hardest time with the technology of just being in a room on speakerphone with a phone call from California. Like it was a struggle back in I think it was the 60s, late 60s when the show was wrapping and it was hard then. So now today, fast forward 2022, Zoom calls, virtual calls, FaceTiming, all of that stuff is so normal. And, you know, it's one of those things where we don't know how to navigate the feelings that those things bring us, the stressful feelings especially. So I want to talk through it. Yeah, because I feel like it's one of those things that it's an unspoken fear people have. No one wants to admit that, especially to their coworkers, because then it's one of those things where you, if you bring it up, if you draw attention to it, that's all people will think about. 
and it stresses you out more. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. I remember at L'Oreal when I had these amazing coworkers who I still talk to today, one of them had severe meeting anxiety, presentation anxiety, and she was in marketing. So she had to present often like real projects that had like a lot of spend behind it, lots of money to VPs and like decision makers in the company. And I always got secondhand stressed for her. <laughs> Because she would talk to me before we sat next to each other and she would tell me all the time about how stressed she was for the presentation. So the whole time I watched her present, I had this fear for her. I was like smiling like an idiot in the presentation. So if she looked at me, she would, you know, I don't know, have like a little dose of you're doing great, sweetie, that sort of thing. But myself, even, I was working in digital and social marketing, I guess. It was kind of technically a marketing position. I don't know if it still is. But at the time, I remember before a big meeting that I had to present in, a lot was riding on it because it was like I was kind of pitching to ask for money, if that makes sense, because I wanted budget for a project and it wasn't going to be funded unless I knocked the presentation out of the park. So I actually went to the bathroom and my mom or someone, maybe I in public speaking class, I had to take a public speaking class in college. Someone told me that if you, you know, go to the bathroom or, you know, are by yourself for a minute before a presentation and you put your hands on your hips and do what they call the power pose. So you kind of you stand there in front of the mirror. You have to see yourself doing it, I guess. Put your hands on your hips and then your elbows are kind of at like a what, 90 degree angle, kind of? I'm bad at angles. 45? No. Your your elbows are like at an angle. <laughs> You're kind of just like doing the Superman, Superwoman pose, right? Picture your cape coming out behind you. And you just make yourself, you know, puff your chest out, make yourself feel powerful. You look yourself in the eyes and just take a deep, deep breath. Be like, I can do this breath, right? Like preparation before the meeting. So I do that go into the meeting and focus on a bunch of things that I guess are kind of nonverbal communication, which we'll get into. Eye contact, obviously, like looking around, not just at one person, but like having your eyes flit across the room. Like I focused on that. I focused on talking slowly, but confidently, not too slow, not too fast, like not stuttering. And I put so much emphasis on sounding like I know or knew at the time what I was talking about. It didn't even matter if I really 
did. Like, I guess, you know, people will call you out on your bullshit if you really don't know. But for the most part, it was just like convincing everyone in the room that I knew what I was talking about. And the bulk of my focus during this had nothing to do with what I was saying necessarily, but more about the body language. And you'll notice if you watch anything like a TED Talk, I feel like sometimes I get like secondhand stress from TED Talks watching someone who clearly is so, so, so smart, understands what they're talking about, believes in what they're saying, but has a hard time with the nonverbal things like acting confident, pacing around in a way where they don't look stressed out, but they look confident. They really have commanded the attention of the audience and the trust of the audience. I really focused, and these TED Talkers need to focus, anyone who gives presentations focuses mostly on how their body is speaking. Obviously, they need to know what they're talking about, but what your nonverbal cues are saying is really important. And I think that corporate America and college really taught me that. But it's so stressful, especially today when we live in a world of Zoom meetings where no one sees what pants you're wearing. You could be wearing pajamas for all anyone knows. And though some of us have gone back into the office, but you know, many of us still at least like a few times a week are doing Zoom calls. Or if you're still in school, are doing Zoom lectures in class where you have to maybe present. Like I'll never know what that's like, but talking to my sister, I saw her a few weeks ago when we were in Vegas. She was talking about how stressful it is. She's learning to be a teacher. She's studying. She's a senior in college now, studying to be a teacher. And she's talking about how she does student teaching with kids that are in third grade having to be on Zoom calls. And these poor kids don't even know how to turn on on and off their microphones, make sure that they – it's just – it's so stressful. Imagine – I mean, many people that are listening might have dealt with this in the past two years of the pandemic, but having to ask your teacher questions on a Zoom, I feel so stressed. And like I already felt stressed asking questions in class sometimes in the – you know, with everyone – looking at you and listening to your question. And I always worried I would sound stupid. Like there's just so much stuff that we focus on, but especially in the Zoom meetings, especially in the, you know, the ways where we we FaceTime, we do all that stuff. It's so hard because you're literally staring at people (laughs) while you're talking. Whereas in a meeting, I feel like it's easier to just focus maybe on not staring at people in the face, but like looking around the room, if that makes sense. Anyway. So, okay. What does this all mean? We all live in a world where Zoom meetings are plentiful. Some of us have gone back into the office, but especially for me in the freelance world, I do quite a few Zooms per week and I have for the past several years. And even after all this time, I can't shake the tinge, the feeling, the crushing Zoom, Zoom. Oh my God, I'm not gonna let, I'm not gonna cut that out. Crushing doom, <laughs> the crushing doom of Zoom anxiety that I face. I get nervous before a call And I can never seem to figure out why. And then I feel exhausted afterwards more than any in-person meeting I've ever experienced. And I wouldn't call myself an extremely introverted person. I definitely think that I'm a mix of both because I have my extroverted tendencies. I can connect well with strangers and in group settings and at parties and things like that. But I also get overwhelmed and need my alone time. I think I'm just like 50-50 if that's possible. I don't really know. I need to take a test or something. But Even this being said, I feel like meeting settings on a virtual platform of any kind stresses me out. (laughs) Like even FaceTimes, like group FaceTimes with my friends, sometimes if I'm put on the spot with something, I like, I panic. I don't know. And I need to figure out, I needed yesterday when I was thinking about this, I came home from the Dua Lipa concert with a fresh set of notes to dive into. I had like so many bullet points that I had typed at Madison Square Garden. I needed to figure out the why. And I did. I figured out part of the why. So we're going to talk about it today. 
After a bit of digging, I found out some answers. I found out why a lot of us experience Zoom anxiety, whether it be during work meetings or if you're still in school after classes on Zoom, like feeling exhausted during and after, and even like FaceTimes with friends, with boyfriends. I don't know. I actually, interestingly enough, the most recent guy I was talking to, um, he asked to FaceTime before we met in person, which I found to be, I was like, do I find this to be a red flag? I can't decide. But afterwards, I was like, that wasn't a red flag because honestly, so much of my, I don't want to say, how do I phrase this? Because it wasn't really wasted time going on dates. I don't want to say that. But I, a lot of I, a lot of my questions would have been answered about a person before going on a date if I had video called them first or like heard and seen them speak and just gotten their vibe. Because so much can be said through that, right? Like it, so many things are learned from how a person carries themselves on a video call. And that both helps, but also stresses me out. Okay. <laughs> so let's just talk about it. Let's commiserate over this because there's actually some real science behind why we feel so stressed out when it comes to virtual meetings, calls, classes of any kind. So Zoom anxiety, as it's called online, overlaps with what a lot of psychologists that I'm finding are calling Zoom fatigue. And I found this amazing Psych Central article. I love this site. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It describes Zoom fatigue as a strong sense of post-meeting exhaustion. And like I said, found this amazing article. It was written by a psychologist and it really gave me a lot of food for thought and made me feel a bit better about this feeling that I truly, I really did think for a while that this was only me that felt this way. And I felt kind of stupid for it for a long time. But in this article, this is a direct quote, some researchers believe that the increased amount of eye contact and the size of your coworkers' faces on screen means you're required to process more nonverbal cues than if you were just looking at one speaker in an in-person setting. So I'm imagining back in my corporate life or even in school, we oftentimes sat around like a big table or our desks were aligned in like a circle or a way where it's like if one person is talking, you are looking at that one person, but the person speaking isn't necessarily looking at all 30 people in the room at once, if that makes sense. So nonverbal cues, this is interesting to me. These are things like eye contact, facial expressions, like smiling, frowning, rolling your eyes, gestures, posture, body language. So all of these things, the reason why it's called nonverbal cues, it's like it's not speaking, but it is speaking for you, if that makes sense. When your mouth is not even moving necessarily, the way that someone is listening to you, the way that someone is processing what you say, says a lot. And a lot of it, a lot of those nonverbal cues can help you in a way or make you feel more inspired. Like if I'm sitting in a room Let's go back to the story I was talking about my coworker who had this – she was very stressed about giving any sort of presentation. Me smiling at her, hopefully you know, nodding my head, her looking at me and seeing that could maybe help her continue on confidently. you know. Or if someone was frowning at her or looking perplexed, that would obviously change her confidence, right? So here are some other reasons that I found that could explain why we feel this way according to this recent study that I found that actually was done in, I believe it was January or February of 2021, 2021, so pretty recent, like a year ago. And it said, these are some other reasons. So this thing called mirror anxiety, 
which I'd never heard of. Near anxiety, it's anxiety caused by seeing your own face on the screen. This is key, okay? Because often I always tell myself before I get into a Zoom call, I'm gonna like minimize myself because I'm not like vain. That's not, or maybe, I don't know. I'm not vain in that way. I don't wanna... (laughs) I don't want to look at myself the whole time because I'm like, think I'm beautiful or something. I'm more so making sure that I look fine, that I'm like stressed sometimes about how I look and hoping that my coworkers or people that I'm talking to, my clients at least, make sure that they don't think that I like, oh, Katie looks tired today or Katie's background's a mess or there's so many factors. And if I just minimized myself, maybe I wouldn't get this mirror anxiety, aka seeing your own face on the screen. Like imagine in any big presentation or meeting, like I remember my my public speaking class in college was particularly stressful. I have always been like a decent public speaker, but something about having to do it in a class dedicated to the art of public speaking was very stressful for me, like very stressful. I don't think I even did that well in that class, to be honest with you. And they made the class small on purpose. I think it was only 10 people. I also went to a private college. But I cannot imagine if I had done that class over again, having to stare at myself while I'm speaking, plus everyone else in the class. So that's that's something. The next thing, according to this study, is feeling trapped. So that's actually so accurate. When I'm sitting here on a call, feeling like if my doorbell rings or something, I feel like it's so rude to get up and go get the door. I mean, that's like a home setting. But when I was at my corporate job, like having to, if I was having a coughing attack, the number of times I had a coughing attack, coughing attacks have been something that has plagued me for most of my life. I recall a very specific moment. I was actually going through recruitment in college. This was back freshman, January of my freshman year. So at Elon, where I went to college, we rush in the spring. Yeah. We rush in the spring, not in the fall. It's pretty traditional to rush in the fall. At a lot of colleges, we rush in the spring. So we had like a full semester to go through and meet people before. It was kind of nice. I actually really liked it. Um, But anyway, so I remember being in this one recruitment, like the last round of recruitment, which we called – what was it called? Oh, my God. My whole life used to revolve around this. I can't even remember what it was called. It was like the last day. Oh, it was called preference round. And you went back to two of your top sorority preferences – like mutual preferences. So they wanted you and you wanted them. And then after that, you decide, they decide. It was like one of those things. So I was sitting in one of my preference rounds, not Zeta. It was FIMU, which is the sorority, spoiler alert, that I did not end up choosing. But I think majority of the reason why I didn't choose it was because, guys, it was the most, it's a very dramatic procedure. If anyone's ever been through recruitment, you know, recruitment's just so dramatic for no reason. I was actually talking to my trainer about how I think it's so toxic looking back about how superficial it was. But at the time, that was just like my whole world. And I didn't know any better. I was uh, not so confident towards the beginning of my college career. The end, luckily, I figured my stuff out, figured out my priorities. But anyway, sitting in this preference round. And it was the most dramatic thing because they were passing around these candles and singing their, their like song. And you're sitting in a chair in a circle with all these girls that are also in the same round as you. And there's older girls in the sorority standing behind you. And they would pass the candle to you. You'd hold the candle and then like you'd blow it out or something. And it was like symbolic about how the love, like you blow out your candle and then like everyone has one candle and we're in this together. I don't even know what it was, but I'm holding this candle, fighting this tickle in my throat. And I'm just crying. Like there are tears coming from my eyes because I'm trying so hard to wait till the end of the song and not have a coughing attack. But obviously my body had other ideas and I start 
like, first of all, the girl behind me thought I was crying because I was so emotional about the sorority and I was so excited to be a sister of Fine Mew, but really I was just like miserable. And I ended up surrendering to the tickle and I just launched into a coughing fit. Thank God this was pre-COVID. I guess like coughing over the past two years has been this like everyone whips their head around to look at who's coughing and make sure they're wearing a mask or whatever, obviously, for obvious reasons. But back then it was just a good old fashioned coughing attack and I felt so just so many emotions of like people like thinking I'm crazy, people feeling bad for me. And I essentially, I had to leave the room to cough fully. And then by the time I went back in, it was like over and I was like, okay, this is not going to work. So anyway, um, that was one of those moments where like at L'Oreal, if I, if it was like one of those seasons where it was like really dry and I just had like a coughing attack come on, I could leave the meeting for a minute, cough in the hallway and come back in. And no one really cared. Whereas in a Zoom call, it's like, what do you do? You meet yourself. You go out of the frame for a second. People don't know where you went. People don't know if you're microwaving something or talking to your boyfriend or, you know, it's you feel kind of trapped when you're sitting on a Zoom call. So that's something. So another thing that the study said was, you know, another anxiety inducing quality of the Zoom call is feeling watched by everyone on the call. Because oftentimes I'm in gallery view, I feel, because if I'm talking to a client that has like a larger team. I I do people are spitballing, people are talking. It's like you can't see like I can't just have one person on my screen. That is why I do want to start doing where it's the speaker view and it flips to whoever's talking, but that can be chaotic for some meetings obviously, but that's one thing. So feeling like everyone's watching you. And the last thing is the bigger cognitive load that Zoom calls put on you. And I've never heard of this cognitive load before. So that is actually the amount of information that your memory and your brain overall can hold at one time. And this makes sense because if you think about it, when you're on a Zoom call, you're not only focusing on what is being said and what you're going to say next, but also you're looking at people moving and analyzing their backgrounds, looking at their apartments behind them and hoping that you're not on mute by accident. Hope There's so many things. Like, can you see my – it's like that that meme that I've been seeing where it's like, uh, can you – I'm sharing my screen. Can you see it? Oh, can you see it? Oh, wait, wait. It's like there's so much stuttering that's happening. It's just It just feels so stressful. So those are some reasons why we might feel this way. I also asked you guys on Instagram to submit some of your anxious tendencies that you have surrounding Zoom calls. And honestly, this – like, I hope that this isn't stressing anyone out, this conversation. It's more so to validate – the feelings that many of us have and show you that it's so much more common than you think and many of your coworkers and your colleagues in college or even your friends might feel this exact same way. So let me read a few of them. So someone said, I hate sitting still. One of the reasons I love being a nurse is because I'm always moving. If I'm ever on a Zoom call, I feel anxious sitting still. I'm like, that's so accurate. I feel like I'm such a fidgeter. I feel all of my notebooks in college and in my job were always just littered with doodles. And it wasn't because I wasn't paying attention. I think there's actually an Einstein quote or something out there where Einstein was such a doodler and people thought they weren't, he wasn't paying attention to them, but really he was processing everything they were saying. He just needed to have his hand on a pen of some sort while he was thinking and that helped him think. I don't know if I made that up, but someone, someone out there, someone very smart did that too. I'm not crazy. So that's one thing. Someone else said that they they try to have good posture and look interested and 
doing all of that, like acting interested, acting like you're paying attention, nodding your head, like having good posture, all of the above can stress you out so much that you're not even processing what's going on. And the meeting is kind of like worthless because you're not even listening because you're so focused. A lot of people are saying also the energy is off. Some people might not feel that they are being listened to fully because I feel with the Zoom call versus in a normal meeting, it's so much easier to multitask because it can kind of look like you're looking at the camera when you're actually answering your emails or online shopping or any of the above. Like it's easier to multitask. And for that reason, people do and they might not even be focused on what you're saying. So it might as well have just been an email. (laughs) Like I think the moral of the story here is a lot of Zoom calls really could have just been an email and more work would have been done through that, (laughs) like obviously. Um, Some people are saying it's hard to present yourself in a corporate way if you're sitting at home. That totally makes sense. Related to that, someone said that – this is really interesting. Someone said that it feels like you're hosting people in your personal space slash home. That is so accurate. That's why I've been loving how in a lot of my client meetings, clients will put on like this green screen in the background that looks like like an office space. And at first it made me giggle, but now I'm like, that's so smart because I feel like half the time people are judging me for my artwork behind me like, and not even listening to what I'm saying. The number of times I sit in front of this my, you guys know if you've seen my apartment, but I have this, it, it'll always be New York or nowhere poster. And I always get so many questions about it. I almost like have it there now strategically. So if I'm saying something incorrect, people are more so looking at my picture and not hearing me. <laughs> and I always get questions about it. So it's a conversation starter that might be used to your advantage or not. The last one I'll read, someone said, I feel like I have to be more outgoing and animated than I actually am to make up for it being virtual. Yeah, I have noticed that. A lot of like smiling, nodding. It's just because you never know who's looking at you. Even if you're not presenting, someone could be staring at you and not even the person talking. So you can't be like making a resting bitch face or something. I was actually – so little story. was on a client call like a few weeks ago. And I – so this is a new client and I didn't realize sometimes when calendar invites are sent to me, I can't tell if – it's actually a video call or if it's a phone call because oftentimes when you send a Google invite, it'll still have the Google, like you can join on video if you want to, but like most of the time whenever someone sends that, it's just like an auto thing. Like you don't actually have to join the video. So I didn't know that this client of mine strictly does video. So I just joined the phone call and they never told me I was wrong for that. So I was like, oh, okay, we're good. So I thought it was a a total like phone call conversation and I loved it because I looked like a mess, but you know, I was fully focused, wasn't staring at people. It was actually amazing. But I was told afterwards, this was a client call with a third party. So it was someone, some other company that they'd hired for something and it was a rep from their company. So after we did like a reflection call and one of the people was like, did you see her eye roll when you asked this question? And I was like, First of all, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know it was a video call. Second of all, I was like, wow, that is something that you would not see. An eye roll, like crazy. She wasn't even speaking. She was reacting to something that I had said and rolled her eyes. Like bonkers that if it was a phone call, I would not have seen that. And that speaks volumes, okay? 
So that's just a little side note. I actually did find in this same article that I was referencing, which is actually an amazing article. So if you're ever doing anything on this subject, definitely reference this article. It has amazing sources. So it said some solves to this. What can we do? I have ranted for like 30 minutes about how stressful this is. What can we do to lessen the stress that this puts on us? What are some things we can do? Number one is the thing that I talked about earlier that I want to try in the future minimizing myself so I can see the person I'm speaking with, the people I'm speaking with, and not me. And there's an option where you can hide your self-view on Zoom, and I think most apps you can do it, and it makes it feel a a bit more real life, okay, because you're not seeing yourself. I think based on all the responses I got from this thing I put on my story about this subject, a lot of people, the, the biggest stressor is seeing yourself, which makes sense because we're not meant to see ourselves speaking. It's just really not a natural way of doing things. That's why on FaceTime, they make you so small in the bottom corner and the person you're speaking with so much bigger because you're not the you know the important thing here, right? So that's what I'm going to try to do. Number two, when possible, consider turning off video altogether. So like I said on that client call, not you know just dialing in and not doing video just changed the game for me. I felt so much more confident when I was saying, I was so focused. I was focused on everyone who was speaking and that, you know, seeing faces of other people also just adds to the anxiety of focusing on so many different things at once. It's that bigger cognitive load that I talked about, the amount of information that your brain and your memory, you're trying to remember this stuff, you're trying to process it, you're trying to figure out what people are actually saying without saying it. It's just so much going on in your brain. Third is switch to speaker only, which is what I was saying before. I need to do this too. I think my biggest stress with Zoom is like if I do any of these things, I I fear that I'm going to accidentally kick myself out of the room because I'm afraid to click anything in Zoom. And I would say I'm a pretty techie girl. Like I'm a girl who texts. And yet I'm still nervous to click anything in these things because I feel like I'm going to get booted off and it's going to be embarrassing. So that's another thing. Switch to speaker only if you can. And number four, move if you need to. This, I needed to hear this. I needed to be affirmed in this because like I said, I fear fidgeting. I fear just doing anything that people will look at, fixing my hair. Like if my hair looks bad, I'm scared to like touch my hair because then it seems like I'm looking at myself. You know what I mean? I've noticed people just like unashamed, just like fluffing up their hair and like flirting with the camera. And I just feel it's okay when they do it, but when I do it, I'm stressed. So it is natural to stretch. It's natural to readjust. It's natural to get up and get a glass of water and come back. It's okay to do that in a meeting non-virtually, so it should be okay to do it in a virtual meeting as well. It's not going to mean you're going to get fired for getting up to get a glass of water. And I think I need to be reminded of that because if I'm having a coughing attack in the future, I will need a glass of water and that will have to be okay. (laughs) And then number five, I think I maybe added this myself, but turn off your camera briefly if you need a moment. You know, most of the time people will think that if you're turning your camera off, it's like a Wi-Fi issue because that happens with Wi-Fi sometimes. So if you need to fluff up your hair and you don't want to do it on camera, you can like literally turn off your camera for five seconds or whatever and no one's going to be death, you know, tragically upset. I think that might even be better because then people aren't staring at the room behind you. They're just staring at a black square or you get minimized, you know? So turning off your camera briefly if you need a moment, that's a huge one I'm going to implement. So yeah, body language, guys. Body language is huge. The way that someone carries themselves as they speak says volumes about their confidence, their 
kindness, their overall demeanor so, so much. And I think that's why meetings in general stress us out or just having any sort of like confrontation or presentation or anything, having to read those things that are nonverbal, those things that people do that just it speaks for them. So I also found an article about body language that I'm going to read a few things from that I thought was so interesting. I want to talk this through because there's some things that I just didn't even know were a thing that now I'm going to look for. Like, okay, what what do you think when you see someone tilting their head? Like someone tilts their head when they're looking at something or if they're speaking or listening, maybe more so listening to you. What does that mean? So tilting applies to couples who are in love. Tilting the head exposes the neck. This is what this Psychology Today article is saying. And perhaps shows vulnerability. So if you want to listen to someone and appear vulnerable and thoughtful, you can turn your head. A person with a tilted head is perceived as more interested, attentive, caring, and having less of an agenda. Who would have thought? I feel like I might do that already, but now I'm going to look for it. (laughs) Okay. How can your eyes express how you feel in this article? Eye blocking. So I didn't know what that eye blocking, aka covering your eyes or looking away, you know, like not having your eyes be visible, expresses emotions such as frustration and worry. And sometimes the eyelids shut to show determination, someone's focusing, while sometimes the eyelids flutter to show you that you've screwed up and feel embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, eyes eyes say everything. The eyes never lie, Chico. They never do, truly. I feel like I've done the eye fluttering thing when I've realized I'm wrong, like I say something incorrect and I'm like, Brick. I need to like backtrack. I'm like, let me close my eyes and open them again. And maybe the world will be different. Maybe uh, I can erase the past five minutes from my life. So <laughs> I've definitely been there. Okay. Another one, touching your neck. When you're stressed out, touching or stroking the neck signals a pacifying behavior. We all rub our necks at the back, the sides, and also under the chin. The fleshy area under the chin has nerve endings and stroking it lowers heart rate and calms us. That is intriguing. So if you're stressed out, sitting at your desk, received a really snarky email or a really crazy text from a friend or a boyfriend or something, stroke that fleshy area under your chin. That's kind of nice. I mean, I've always like, when I'm petting a dog, I feel like I go for under the chin. (laughs) I feel like that always relaxes them. So maybe we're not too much different. Okay, next thing. The hands reveal a lot about a person. When you feel confident, the space between your fingers grows but that space lessens when you feel insecure. I did not know that. And while rubbing the hands conveys stress, steepling the fingers. So like, I wish you could see me right now, like almost holding your hands where your fingers are touching, but your palms are away from each other. So it's kind of like a triangle or crown. Interesting stuff, guys. A lot of this, I guess, cannot be portrayed from a Zoom call, but I guess if you're just nonverbal cues and communication is so interesting. I want to do more digging into this because there is just so much that is said without you speaking. And it's obvious when you see, even with couples, if you see a couple interacting and how they're mirroring each other, how they're, when they're speaking, they're maybe their hand is resting under their chin. Both of them are in the same the same pose. It it signals comfort. It signals um, familiarity. It signals they understand each other's mannerisms and like the togetherness of it. Like you can see a couple on a date. My favorite thing is to be in a restaurant and look around 
and I can kind of pick up on who's on a like a first date or a second date or a third date or who's like been together for a long time that you can kind of tell. But also sometimes I feel that I'm on a date where maybe if someone didn't know me might think that I've known the person for a while. Just depends on the person, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, lots of food for thought here. Again, this doesn't, I mean, the Zoom anxiety of it all, it's just such a normal thing. I wanted to do a whole episode on this because I wanted to just reinforce how normal it is to feel stressed out about this sort of communication because we have to remember it's so, so new. The internet in general is such a new a new thing, like FaceTiming. I cannot imagine what my life would have been like if FaceTiming was around in like middle school, high school. I don't think I FaceTimed people in high school. Did I? No, I don't think it was a thing, was it? I remember when you had to like pay for data for your phone and going on the internet for five seconds would cost like $500. My dad would get mad at me. Does anyone else remember this this phase of life or am I just alone in this? Like I remember it just being the biggest tragedy when I accidentally went on the internet. And now I Google things every five seconds. Like I'm the biggest Googler if I have any sort of question and we're met with so many answers, some true, some false. Anyway, okay, so that is it for my episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed this interesting Food for Thought episode. Like I said, I'll have all the sources linked in the show notes so you guys can check them out and read more if you guys want. But I just wanted to lessen the stress that you might be feeling just by letting you know that it's normal. And that was my goal today with this episode. I want to come back strong in future weeks this month with stories of women from history and their, you know, contributions because there's so many good stories out there. So if you guys have any recommendations, let me know. Um, Yeah, so that is it for this episode of Thick and Thin. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you all enjoyed. And I will talk to you all next Thursday. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.